<laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we are sticking with the Halloween theme, folks. We're I mean, back I, for some more. I feel like we have to. It's spooky season. It's spooky season. It's Ooh. October. <laughs> Ooh. I feel like it just it just seems right. <laughs> it does. And this is Sydney's week, and she, you picked a great case. I have heard this one before, uh, but I think it's very wild and interesting. I've also heard this one before, but it's one that was on my list, and then I just realized that it also took place in, like, October, and I was like, oh, perfect, I needed one. Oh, yeah, and it's got a fun little tie in there about, I mean, if you've heard this case, you'll know what I'm talking about, but uh, fun little fun fact and tie, and I was actually just talking about said family today, so... What a small has, world. <laughs> it has two ties, too. I wanna two know ties? You, I want to know if you know the other tie. Well, you'll know when I say it. You'll be like, what the hell? Of course, this is why Sydney picks this. Ooh, okay, sweet. It's a very mi- a ma- minor detail that is pertinent to my personal life. <laughs> is it linked to Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Everyone, I just want you to know that this is literally Sydney's favorite person to ever exist. <laughs> and she knows so many random Abe Lincoln facts. <laughs> this was just like a stab in the dark, knowing that every time she sees Abe, she gets so excited or Abe gets brought up. We have a friend pregnant and her due date is February 12th. And Sydney's first response in the group chat when she told us was, that's Abe's birthday. <laughs> Okay, dude. So my birthday's on February 8th, and my mom, when she was pregnant with me, was able to, like, pick the date that she was going to get induced. And I was pissed when I found this out, because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You couldn't have waited four days so I could be born on (laughs) Abe's birthday? Like, what? (laughs) And then me and one of my sisters are also in February, and my mom, and none of us are on the 12th. Fucking bogus. (laughs) Well, I'm super pumped. I didn't know that, and I didn't read that anywhere. So, oh, stay tuned. Yes. It's, very mi- it's very minor, people. It's very minor. I'm talking it up like it's crazy. It's very <laughs> minor, but I saw Abe, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. <laughs> well, I will let you set the scene and take it away. All right. So, on the night of October 30th, 1975... Martha Moxley joined her friends with the intentions of terrorizing their neighborhood. And by terrorizing, I mean that they were participating in your typical Halloween activities that teener, teen, that teeners, that teenagers partake in. Toilet papering their neighbors' houses, ringing neighbors' doorbells, just being chaotic teenagers. But that same night, Martha had also disappeared. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Ooh. I felt like that was good fitting. It was also, very fitting. Before you continue, I just want to yep. make a note that 
in every article, they referred to this night as Mischief Night. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really interesting because at least where I'm from and, like, grew up and live, they call it Devil's Night. Do you not I'm have a name to... for the night before Halloween? That's what I was thinking. Like, what what do we call it? Like, I've heard the term devil, 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 I can't speak, devil's <laughs> night before. Um, I don't feel like I've, but I don't think that that's something I heard, like, around here. I think that's something I heard in, like, movies or, like, oh. books or something. Like, I don't think I've ever, I never heard mischief night before, though. So I don't yeah. know if that's something, like, the media coined or... Maybe. I thought it was really interesting, but so just for anyone that doesn't know, Devil's Night or Mischief Night, that's the night before Halloween. And usually that's, you know, the night kids are out doing dumb things, smashing pumpkins if you're real reckless, uh, TPing or um, <laughs> you said ringing doorbells. They were playing Ding Dong Ditch. <laughs> ringing the doorbells. I have played. Running away like hell. <laughs> I think now we like to, like, saran wrap people's cars. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I've done that. Put, like, bologna in between the saran wrap. Ooh. Cheese in the gas tank. We don't do that anymore. (laughs) I don't, I just want to go on record and say I don't do any of this anymore, but when I was in high school, I may have uh, partaked in my fair share of TPing or terrain wrapping. Cannot confirm nor deny anything, <laughs> but I might know some people that did. That's Same. All. I actually, while researching this, asked my boyfriend if he's ever TP'd someone's house, and he said, Oh, yeah. And I said, Oh, did you ever egg anyone's house? And he said, Oh, yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I don't think I've ever egged anyone's house. <laughs> he can't do that now because he can't get away from the crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, we're actually recording right now. My boyfriend just got injured this week and uh, is on crutches. And Sydney and I just spent the last 10 minutes before recording making jokes about it. (laughs) Just roasting him. So I had to throw one in there. It's okay. Everything's fine. He'll be okay. (laughs) All right, let's get back to it. So Martha was 15 years old and her family had recently moved from California to Greenwich, Connecticut. After she had not returned home, Martha's family was in a panic. The whole neighborhood had began to search for Martha on the eve that evening into Halloween of 1975. That following day, so Halloween, after she hadn't returned home, Her body was found near the Moxley's backyard. She was stabbed and her body looked like it had been attempted to be hidden by pine trees in the yard. There was also a golf club that was found nearby that was thought to be a part of the killing. Also note that the golf club was like dismembered. (laughs) Like it was like the actual club, but not the stick. It was only, like, the top portion, or the bottom portion, I guess, on how you're holding it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw, like, in every article, it was, like, in pieces, is what it said. Yeah. Which, like, takes a lot of effort. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking, and that that's why I just wanted to note that, because that is in every single article, like, in the pictures, that it's in two pieces, basically. 
two years after Martha's killing, the neighborhood was really starting to wonder how there hadn't been any leads and there was no arrests. It had been reported that the last place that Martha had been or had been seen alive was on the lawn of a neighbor and a friend's house, Thomas Skackle and Michael Skackle. Thomas was her friend, and then there was younger brother Michael. She was friends with both of them, it seemed like, but it seemed like she was a little bit closer with Thomas. And both of these young boys had reported being with Martha on that night. It was also reported that the golf club that was at the scene was able to be linked back to a set that was owned by the Skackle family. The Skackle family lived across the street from the Moxleys, and after the discovery of the link with the golf club, the investigation basically just surrounded this family. It was believed that Martha's murder had occurred between 9.45 and 10 p.m. on the night before October, October 31st. Thomas had told detectives that him, Martha, his brother Michael, and other friends were sitting in a vehicle listening to music until about 9.30, when they then were kicked out of the vehicle because the oldest Skackle brothers needed the car. At this time, Martha and their other friends had left because Thomas said he had to write a paper on none other than Abraham Lincoln. Oh my god, is that that's the Abe Lincoln tie? <laughs> yes. So small, but so important, okay? Oh my god, that's so funny. The police later found out that there was no assignment on Abraham Lincoln that oh, had ever been assigned. Oh, use Abe's name in vain like that. I know. There was another suspect that police had also come across that they had been questioning who had also come from within the Skackle residence. Kenneth Littleton was their live-in tutor and had actually moved into the home on the morning the murder had occurred. Police had continued to conduct interviews and give polygraph tests to nearly 200 people. And in July of 1976, Kenneth was arrested for a burglary and theft and given a polygraph regarding the murder which he ended up failing, but was considered not to be enough to make an arrest. I, the polygraph tests are always like just a, for me personally, because I feel like I would fail them because I am the most nervous person about anything. (laughs) I think there's a reason why they don't rely on polygraphs and it's because anymore, it's because people know how to trick them Mm -hmm. or you get a lot of false flags. I'll tell you this. I probably would definitely be reading that I was lying about something, even though I probably wasn't. I just would be in my head like, wait, is that a lie? Oh, my God. And then my breathing would get out of control. Like, you always see those memes and it's like when you're walking through the airport and, like, you think that you might have a gun on you. But, like, you didn't know you had a gun on you. Like, I feel like that's how it would be with, like, the polygraph test would be. Like, they would say something and be like, did you do it? And I'd be like. I don't think so. Like, and then I would probably start questioning myself. Like, I would be the perfect person to get, like, a part of the innocence project that gets arrested for a crime they didn't do because then they start questioning themselves. Like, I don't know what I was doing that night. Now I don't know. Like, <laughs> Me too. Or if I ever witness something, I'm going to be the worst 
witness yes. because then I'm going to be second guessing everything. Like, and I already know I, witness statements aren't that accurate, so. No, and like, I have some crazy dreams, so I don't fucking know what's real life and what's a dream anymore. That's pretty fucked up. We were eating dinner tonight, and I literally asked my boyfriend three separate times if he wanted another pop, and <laughs> later on when I was, before I came in here to record, I, I grabbed it for him because, you know, he's crippled, we can't do anything right now, <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, I figured you had wanted one earlier because you kept asking, I was like, no, honestly, I couldn't remember what you said and then I felt bad that I thought you did and I didn't get you one so I kept asking I kept forgetting he's like are you kidding me I was like I don't know it's just that kind of day life is weird man life so you weird. guys think I need to remember something important I'm screwed that's also very true There were many attempts to reopen Martha's case over the years from a trial against William Kennedy Smith. Yes, the Skackles were closely related to the Kennedy family. Go fucking figure. The Skackle (laughs) boys were the nephews of Ethel Skackle Kennedy, which is the widow of Robert F. Kennedy. Which... Go fucking figure. I have yeah, no better way to say it. If you don't know who Robert F. Kennedy is, you should not be listening to a true crime podcast. <laughs> there was also a DNA discovery in 1991 on clothes that Michael had discarded that night that had hairs that were similar to Martha's on them. But ultimately, in 1995, the Skackle Boys' father had hired a private investigator to clear the family's name. But instead of clearing their names, both boys ended up admitting to investigators that they had lied to police on the night that Martha went missing. Thomas said he went inside at 9.30, then went back out to meet Martha. He then left her around 9.50 after they had engaged in a sexual act. But the story didn't add up when the neighborhood was looking for Martha. He had said that the last time he had saw her was 9.30 p.m. So it didn't really make sense why he wouldn't have just said 9.50 if he hadn't known that she was dead at that point. It just seemed like he was leaving out information that there really wasn't any reason why he shouldn't be sharing it almost. Like he was creating himself an alibi. Yeah, it seemed like a red flag. Yes, and then Michael had said that around midnight he had climbed a tree by Martha's to throw rocks at her window. But if he would have actually done this, then he would have seen basically the crime scene on the walk back. Wait, because did you see what else he admitted to doing in said tree? Um, the the um, I'm trying to think how to word this appropriately. Do you have a word for it? <laughs> He was masturbating. Yes, I was. I wanted to say like, <laughs> never mind. I didn't want to say that. I, I wanted to say like pleasuring himself, but I was like, I don't know if that's the right terms. Yeah, he was. Um, he said he was like going up there to throw rocks at her window, window peep, and like masturbate. Which grow up. Which I said red flag at the other brother's excuse. This is a red flag. Yes. It's also, like, why would your story change years later is confusing. And to this. And very suspect 
for the Skackle Boys. Correct. Um, over time, Michael had made many incriminating statements um, over the years, and he had even confessed to a friend, quote, I'm going to get away with murder. I'm a Kennedy. And he had even reportedly admitted to a murder in a group therapy session when he was away at a school. On January 19th of 2000, he was arrested and charged with Martha's murder. And in 2018, the conviction was vacated, ruling that Skakel was not given a fair trial. And in October 2020, it was looking that he was not to be retried for the case. So basically at this time, we thought we had a murderer. Then the murder got vacated. The murderer got vacated. And now the Martha Moxley case still remains unsolved. Uh, One of the Kennedys even went as far as like writing a book about how their cousin is innocent, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is very outspoken about Michael Skakel's innocence. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the name of the book? Well, let's see if I can find it. Um, Kennedy would go on to write his own book called Framed, Why Michael Skaggle Spent Over a Decade in Prison for a Murder He Didn't Commit. Yes. I do think, I mean, I won't get into my opinions on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Not (laughs) a fan, because I got sidetracked Googling him and a lot of his views, and he's a very loud man, but, you know, it's like a Kennedy for you, so I'm not surprised. Um, it's very not true. knocking all the Kennedys, folks. I'm just saying it's equality. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was <coughs> very interesting, personally, that like the father intervened pretty immediately, and he refused to let the police look through any school or mental health records, and he hired his own private detective, and fought it tooth and nail. It was, like, very limited police contact that the boys had when they were minors during this investigation. He, prob- he like, nipped it in the butt right away. Yes, and it seemed like that that was, like, the whole reason why they were unable to go to the Skackle family when they wanted to. You know, it was, they were a right away off the bat they were suspects like they thought there was something with them internally they just didn't know what it was but the fact that they were like pushed away so much they just couldn't do anything with it so I did quote by Marcia's mom because she's been pretty prominent in trying to like get justice for her daughter I'm -hmm. trying to find the right quote word Sorry, bear with me. Okay, so when he was, so in 2013, he was originally granted a new trial due to the grounds that the attorney failed to adequately adequately represent him. So when that news broke, the mom, Dorothy, released a statement to the news and basically said she believes Michael killed her daughter. She has not doubted it for a single day. 
and said it took us 27 years to find and convict him. It wasn't that we rushed judgment on this by any means. So she's been a firm believer since the beginning that the Skackle boys, either both or at least one of them, were involved. Mm -hmm. And it did take forever. So I think that's like... I don't I don't necessarily think like the framing option is a possibility. I mean it could anything's possible, right? I don't think it's probable. That's true. That's very true. I think the whole like the the whole reason why that got vacated too was kind of like sketch the reasoning behind Did him not f- getting a fair trial. Them saying like, well, X amount of the witnesses are dead. Well, like, that's what happens after 27 years, dude. Like, Yeah, and so originally in 2013, he had appealed, and they, a judge, granted his appeal on the basis of inadequate representation. The whole reason was because supposedly he provided alibis that his defense never called to testify on his behalf. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, trying to say like hey I had an alibi that was never presented to the jury and I could have been found not guilty which I guess is understandable I I do see that it ended up going to the Supreme Court up in 2016 and they actually ruled four to three that he did have adequate um counsel And that there was overwhelming evidence presented by the prosecution. But then back in two years later, not even a year and a half, May of 2018, they actually reversed their previous decision and vacated that sentence. So it's definitely been a lot of back and forth, which is interesting. It's very, I think that's very wild. Like, also the chances, I mean... It could be him being a Kennedy, like, knowing, being a name. But, like, to get a case reviewed by the Supreme Court, like, everyone has the right to an appeal. But to actually get your case reviewed by the Supreme Court is, like, very, 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 very unlikely. Like, everyone It goes was the to Connecticut the, Supreme Court, sorry. They, but, like, they go to, like, the appeals court and then they go to the yeah. Supreme Court. Like, still kind of crazy. I also wanted the one thing I saw that I wanted to note was that you had mentioned that the attorney, the district attorney had decided not to retry Michael. Mm -hmm. The day they released that statement was October 30th, 2020, 45 years exactly after Martha was murdered. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But I did see that the state prosecutor, I said that weird, the state (laughs) prosecutor entered a null in the case, which basically means it'll go dormant for 13 months, and then they can retry the defendant again if they see fit. And basically said it very rarely happens, at least in Connecticut, especially with, like, all this time passage of, you know, people who were witnesses and unable to um, put their put them on the stands anymore. Like you mentioned, a lot of witnesses have passed away. Mm-hmm. So I think it is very unlikely. I also yes. have another quote from the mom. All the so quotes. 
she said, I will never forget the day they found him guilty. It gave me all sense of justice I needed. So she basically said, you know, and that's like the big quote, but the whole summary of what she had said was that she obviously believes he's guilty, but she had no need for him to serve any more prison time than like the 10 years he already did. And she's content with where it's at. So if they don't retry, she's okay with it. And I mean, that's very interesting. That's a, that's a good quote to share. And I do feel like that is kind of a common maybe thought process for like some of those people who have to deal with a loved one who had passed where they kind of, you know, maybe in the eyes of the law, they're not guilty and all of these other things. But if they were at one point or if they are convinced that that's the individual that is guilty for the crime, they've already tried them like in their head, if that makes sense, or come to come to justice in their head of what has taken place. I don't know. Well, and so this marks, you know, 46 years now, almost. Mm -hmm. We're approaching the 46th year. So, you know, Martha would have been 61 and had a full life. And now her mom has spent more than three times the amount she was alive fighting and for this justice and getting answers. So I'm sure at this point she feels pretty confident with what she knows. And it's mm-hmm. just easier to kind of rest. You know, I can't it's imagine. True. I Like, I've never lost. I don't have any children. So I have never lost a child. But let alone losing someone in such a horrific way and fighting for justice. It's draining. Absolutely. And for all those people that go through, you know, trials and then the person gets you know, oh, the the judgment was vacated. You know, that was vacated. That's that's no longer. They're out of jail now. You know, it's a lot to stand another trial. Agreed. Um, I also have a couple other random fun facts. Let's hear them. So I'll I have two, but I'll leave the good one. Like the I feel like it's a good note. So first our favorite show we like to reference. This case was featured on an Unsolved Mysteries episode from February of 1996. I did see that. I did see that. But of I course I had to include that. Yes, I'm happy you did. <laughs> and then the second one was, it was like a quote I found um, in an article. It was in our references or sources if you want to look. I found an article from grunge.com and I thought it was pretty beneficial because they give a lot of background on who Martha was and what her house was like or like her family her life and I think the victims are often lost in the cases so this one was actually a quote from a family friend Rosemary Main and it was talking about Martha it said a year after arriving because since you know they moved from California she was sports editor of the yearbook Voted girl with the best personality, had gained scholastic honors, and wa- and had won letters for field hockey and basketball. So it's very clear she had a lot of promise. She was very popular and involved in a lot of different things in the school social scene and just really seemed to love life. So, you know, 
I'm sure you've heard like the joke that every time there's like a true crime case, it's like, oh, her smile lit up the room, which <laughs> no one will ever say that about me if I'm killed. <laughs> like, I'll, say I'll say it about you. I'll say it about you. Don't worry. Just tell the truth. That's all I care about. <laughs> but it's really sad when you do hear these those cases, especially when it's, like, actually really genuinely true. And Martha was so young, 15, and uh, it definitely seemed like she had a lot of life in her and a lot of potential. So Absolutely. I'm really sad. happy you shared that, too, because that was, I mean, the victims do definitely get forgotten about. They tell you the crime. They don't tell you all the backstory unless... You're watching, like, an interview with the friends or family. And I couldn't find a lot of, like, back on her personal life. So I'm happy that you were able to find something. You know, and I was going to say, I always try to do that. But sometimes it's really hard in cases to find information. Because just like you said, they only talk about the case. Or, you know, like, what happened in solving the case. It's very hard to sometimes find information on the victims themselves, but anytime I see it, I want to include it because I think it's important to remember we aren't glorifying the murderers. We're trying to tell a story of the victim. That's very true. And maybe how fucked up the justice system is to allow this to go unanswered for, you know, X amount of years. (laughs) Moral of the story, yes. Moral Uh, of the story. (laughs) Yes, very difficult very heart-wrenching case and the fact that it's still going on is wild i think the only saving grace is it definitely seems like her mom is pretty content now so i'm glad her mom has some sort of peace and justice feels like or she feels like justice has been somewhat served that's true because it's always like the hardest thing too like when you read those articles and you're like the mother passed away with a broken heart and I'm like my that's like because they just weren't now (laughs) yes because they just were never able to like get that justice and know what happened to their child like that's so hard catch me being like Liam Neeson and taken if anything ever happens (laughs) I am hunting people down and I will find you (laughs) PSA Peyton will find you (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. So, yeah, like you said, and I said, I guess already multiple times. We're just repeating ourselves at this point, I think. I know. It's been a rough week, folks, and it's only Wednesday night. True. Very freaking true. Well, that's all I've got to add. That's all I got to add, too. Sweet. You got some jokes and facts for us? I do. Which one do you want? Let's do a joke first. Why are tortillas such a bad conversationalist? Why? They always talk over you. Ah! I'm literally, okay, every time you tell me a joke, what goes through my head is I'm trying to figure out what the answer is, right? I want to get you one of these times and just say it (laughs) so bad. And all I was thinking is, like, what, they're flat? Their tone is flat? Like, I don't (laughs) And you said that, and I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) If you get it, I will probably honestly lose my shit if that happens one day. I'll just freak out, like. 
You'll be like, that's it. I'm never telling a joke again. (laughs) We're done with the jokes, goddammit. All we're giving is facts. We're like 29 episodes in, and I've yet to guess a joke, so it's okay. (laughs) Maybe we'll have to do you can give me a joke one time. I'll I'll guess. Ooh. I'm down with that. We We could do a switch. A rotation. Okay. I do thoroughly enjoy these, though, so I don't want it fully taken away. This is my no, kind no, of no. shine. No, no, no. But better at it. <laughs> you do some guest joke spots for me. Okay, cool. I can do that. <laughs> Hit me with the fact. The largest collection of tequila in the U.S. is over 2,000 bottles, and it was built by collector Lou Barton. That's interesting. I just, I, I guess it's a large collection. I know, like, so the whole reason why this stuck out okay. to me, my, my boyfriend collects, um, like, beer cans, like the Budweiser cans and stuff, and, like, Bushlight cans, oh, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. the different that. collectible ones. And, like, I feel like he has a decent amount, but, like, he doesn't have 2,000. So that's why I was like, holy shit. So I Googled Lou Barton. I did mean to do that, and... I didn't really think of it again. And there was an art. There's an artist, Luann Barton, who is an nope. American blues singer. <laughs> but it's like Lou, L O U, space, Anne. Not the I same that's person. That's probably wrong. No, it is. I ju- Tequila Facts, Jose Cuervo, Cuervo.com pulls up. This this fact, Sydney, this is real. <laughs> no. No, I'm saying you're tr- it's true. I just found oh. proof. No, I'm trying to. <laughs> I can't I find. Look at the Barton is, but I know that's what I'm trying to find. That's why I'm getting mad. <laughs> no, I don't make these facts up. Do you guys think I just go home and come up with facts? Because I don't. Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're that clever. No. Google is my BFF. Hate to break it to you guys, but couldn't be me. <laughs> that could be fun, though, if I just made bullshit up and people are out there probably like, hey, did you know this fact about tacos that I learned today? <laughs> <laughs> like, just complete nonsense. Because <laughs> like, why would you fact check that? Like, I bet you, do any of you people out there, are you fact checking me? Probably not. No, I just fact-checked you, but, like, not intentionally. Yeah, so, like, I maybe I'll just throw out, like, a, a random one and then, you know, oh, months on the no, line. No, that's so cruel. And then months on the line be, like, <laughs> 17 <laughs> truths in a lie. Did you figure out which one it was? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm literally kidding. I think I'm funny, but that's all. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed this Halloween story um, as much as you can enjoy a true crime story that ends very tragically. Um, But (laughs) I think we are pivoting for the rest of the month from true crime to creepy. Yes. Sweet. And even... I think we're even going to roll over into, because your spooky one is what you're doing next, right? Yup, so that's going to roll over. That'll, that'll roll over into November. 
So you get an extra week of spookiness, folks. Woo, woo, woo. Well, <laughs> Halloween's on the, the Sunday this year. It's a so Sunday. I mean, we just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Till the end of time. Spooky season can be every season. Yep. That's true. Or what did I say? Spooky time can be any time. That's true. I don't know. I said it last week, I think, that I said it should be a shirt, and I already forgot, so... I'm pretty yeah. freaking useless. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one tomorrow. <laughs> I can put I my back down there. And I wrote it down again. So I was like, ooh, but I can't remember even where I wrote it down. <laughs> There's my, that. My life in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, we're surviving. We're not necessarily thriving all the time, but sometimes, folks. And I think that's no. <laughs> very often. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to us. If you would like, you can check out our website, tacosandtequiliapodcast.com. It also has a link for our merch on there, so you can access that. I don't even want to think about the merch. I got to go back to that and play with that more. Sorry, y'all. We're working on it. Like we said, working in pro- work in progress. It's a struggle. I you can also week was supposed to be my week to help, and then now I'm playing doctor. So <laughs> that's fine. I'm playing. I'm gonna bash- this episode and be like, all you guys did was talk crap about me. <laughs> You're playing doctor. I'm playing fashion designer. So we're both struggling. Um, you know, we're out of our comfort zones, but we're trying here, people. So far. Uh, you, can you can also, also find oh oh go ahead. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a soda. Um you go first. I'll go second. You can also find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. Like and follow us there to get more updates about any cool merch we release or updates we fix and uh, any new episodes that come out. You can find us on Instagram at just tacos and tequila. You should send us a message on there if there's any cases you want to hear or if you're just bored and want to talk about true crime, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I think as I've mentioned multiple times, you're usually talking to Sydney, but I will tell you this a lot of times she will screenshot it and text it to me. So I've been doing that a lot lately, I feel like. Yeah, we've seen we've had some cool messages. Yeah. Keep it up, folks. We appreciate it. And you can also like and review us on Apple Podcasts because it helps us get noticed. So any five-star review is greatly appreciated. If you don't want to leave a comment, you can submit a five-star review without leaving a comment. Just a heads up. Yes, you can do that. That'd be really cool also. And much appreciated. Yup, yup. As (laughs) usual, thanks for listening. And thanks. Catch- oh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm just saying nonsense at this point, I think. <laughs> We're all a little slap happy. So <laughs> we appreciate you tuning in and we will talk to you next week. Bye.